right, folks. Another Friday and another edition of the Student Section Podcast, where we talk all things college sports. Today is October 28th, 2022. It's week two of our podcast and week nine of the college football season. This one is flying by. And once again, folks, you can find us at thestudentsection.net or at studentsectioncfb on Instagram. So... I don't want to waste too much time here at the beginning because we have a lot of good games to talk about this week, and we have a lot to talk about about what we learned from last week. So I'm not going to waste your time. We're going to jump right into it with our student section game of the week, and that's number 13 Penn State playing host to number 2 Ohio State. Let's do it. Pressure picked up. Ball out quickly. Gets made on the edge by Abruka. Galloping down the sidelines. Touchdown. All right, folks. Number 2 Ohio State. At number 13, Penn State. This is going to be the big noon kickoff game over on Fox. A lot of hype at this one. Expect 100,000-plus at Beaver Stadium. And Ohio State, 15.5-point favorites, and your over-under is going to sit at 62.5 right now. Expect that to go down. I expect a lot of people to be on the under in this one, but... We've got the nation's best offense traveling to Happy Valley this weekend to put their unbeaten record on the line. For, in my opinion, and I think everybody's opinion, their toughest test of the season thus far. And I really think after Michigan thumped the Nittany Lions 41-17 a couple weeks back, Saturday's game really could serve as a big, a good benchmark for Ohio State. And while they should be expected to roll in this one, I think you should bear in mind that the average margin of victory in this series over the last decade has been less than a touchdown. So, you know, you see the two-touchdown spread here, but don't expect Ohio State to have the easiest time, especially because they're going to be playing against their first big road crowd of the season. Like I said, you're going to expect about 100,000-plus at Beaver Stadium. So, jumping in to Penn State first, and I think the secret is completely out on this game, and that's that they're going to have to find a way to stop the run. I mean, you look at what they faced in their past two games, All-American backs like Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, and then for Minnesota, Muhammad Ibrahim, and they've, re- and they've allowed 580 rushing yards in those two games. Just a mind-boggling stat, and I mean, it doesn't get any easier for them this week because you've got Trevion Henderson and Mayan Williams this time around, and an Ohio State rushing offense that is averaging over 204 rush yards per game. So Manny Diaz and company are going to have to find a way to stop the run and not let Ohio State control the game if they want any kind of chance to win at home in this one. But also an X factor for Penn State is their quarterback. Which version of Sean Clifford is going to show up? Now, we've seen two versions of Sean Clifford this year, and it can be easily attributed to where the game is, believe it or not. You look at his home versus road splits. So at home, he's completing 67% of his passes compared to 50% on the road. His passer rating at home, 159 compared to 130 on the road. And this is perhaps the most glaring stat about Sean Clifford. His completion percentage against ranked opponents is just 36%. That's something that's going to have to be fixed. Like I said, if you want to control the game, keep Ohio State off the field and give yourself any shot at winning this one. Granted, the stats play in his favor. It's going to be a home game. And you're really going to need to see the best game of Sean Clifford's season, maybe even his career, if you're going to want to beat Ohio State this week. Because I think this Ohio State team is special, and more about them in just a couple of minutes here. But, I mean, it's do or die here for Sean Clifford. The 60-year senior, this is what you stayed back another year to do. This is why you're still here at, what is it, 24 years old. 
So look out for him to potentially have a big game if Penn State wins this one. Now, talking a bit more about uh, Penn State's defense, although the Buckeyes won 54-10 to last week, I think you saw really, especially in the first half, Phil Parker and Iowa laying down the blueprint on how to quell this Buckeye offensive attack. What we saw a lot of from the Hawkeyes is two high safeties and these disguise coverages. You had a lot of guys playing deep thirds, a lot of cover three, but they would disguise it. They would blitz. A lot of zone blitz you saw as well. And the key to me against Ohio State is that pass rush. You've got to get to C.J. Stroud quickly, and you got to get him to throw ahead of schedule. Why do I say that? Because typically Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day's offense, this Ohio State offense, they rely on short and intermediate routes that develop very quickly, and that plays to the strengths of receivers like Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Egboka, and hopefully later on, Jackson Smith and Jigba. We wish him a speedy recovery, but... In order to have a chance at beating Ohio State, you need to rush the quarterback. You need to get to the quarterback, and you need to get to him fast. C.J. Stroud, if he's able to sit in there all day long for three, four seconds, you're going to see him pick your defense apart. So those are my keys for Penn State. Let's move on to the Buckeyes. And I think really looking at them from the from as a whole, from the outside looking in here, C.J. Stroud has been and always will be the X-Factor, which version of him shows up. And so far this year, it's been the best version of C.J. Stroud. 28 touchdowns leading the nation, but also a 203.9 passer efficiency rating that also leads the nation. And that's partially due to the receiving core he's throwing to, obviously, not to discredit him in any way, but... Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka, as we just mentioned, these guys both rank in the top 10 in yards and touchdowns. Just a mind-blowing stat. Only team to do that this decade. So you're looking at those two guys, but also you got to take a look at Jackson Smith and Jigba, who you saw glimpses of last week against Iowa, and his return is slowly taking shape. And I mean... If this offense wasn't good enough already, he could potentially take this attack to the next level, especially after what we saw from him last season in the later parts of the season. So this now is an offense that leads the nation in yards per play. They're just over seven now. And they scored 54 points against their toughest defensive test of the season last week against Iowa. They won that game 54-10. Granted, they had a couple defensive scores, but that's not to detract anything from the offensive outburst that they had in this one. So... While I think Iowa was a great defense, I think Ohio State will see an even tougher challenge this week. First of all, with the crowd, but second of all, with this veteran-laden Penn State secondary. You look at guys like Joey Porter, who ranks second nationally in passes defense. He's got 11 on the year. And cornerback Kalen King also ranks top 25 with seven of those. Guys like Jair Brown already have three interceptions. Those are big play guys in the secondary that can turn a game around in an instant. Nothing changes the momentum of a game like a pick six. So those are the keys really for Penn State. If you want to win this game, get Stroud thrown ahead of schedule. You've got to turn him over at least twice, and you need a big play by your defense. I'm talking touchdowns, scoop and scores, pick six is the whole nine. So that's what Penn State's going to need to win this one. Let's move on to our next game. To receive for Oklahoma State. He's got a crease, and the freshman breaks a tackle. His feet and away he goes. Nixon is in touchdown. All right, so our second feature game of this week that's going to be number nine Oklahoma State at number 22 Kansas State. This is going to be a 3 30 game, also on Fox as well. 
Kansas State sitting at two and a half point favorites at home here and the over under at a solid 56. Now, as TCU begins to separate itself from the pack, the race is really on to secure that final spot in the Big 12 championship game. And I think Saturday's showdown in Manhattan will give the national audience a good glimpse of who could make it to Dallas come the first week of December. And this matchup is essentially an elimination game as a second conference loss would be a death sentence for either of these teams, especially when both of them have lost to to TCU. It doesn't bode well for them going forward. Now, first on Kansas State. The elephant in the room, Chris Keeleman, is 0-3 against Mike Gundy in his career. In his career at Kansas State, that is. And the biggest question for him in this one is going to be the quarterback situation. I mean, Adrian Martinez left the game injured early last week on undisclosed injury, and they said he's going to be a game-time decision going into this one. Will Howard, the backup, banged up as well. Didn't play all that bad, but didn't play nearly well enough to win them a football game. But he's also banged up. You saw him limping around, hit his head a couple times. So what they're going to need to do this week is focus their game plan around the rushing attack. Oklahoma State has allowed over 200 rush yards in back-to-back weeks against Texas and TCU. And especially when Kansas has or Kansas State has the All-American Deuce Vaughn, why not game plan around this guy? I mean, this is the perfect game to get Deuce Vaughn, uh, Deuce Vaughn more involved, especially when in the past two weeks he only has 22 carries and 28 total touches. This is a Kansas State team that's averaging 232 rush yards as a game per team. To me, this is the perfect week to get Deuce uh, Deuce Vaughn involved. And this could potentially be, I mean, not that he hasn't already had it, but a big breakout game for him and a big statement going forward towards the end of the season as this team looks to make a push for the Big 12 title. So what pounding Deuce Vaughn in this one will do as well is they'll just control the clock to the very end. And they're going to need to do that to keep Spencer Sanders off the field. I mean, you look at their pass defense, Kansas State's that is, they're the worst in the Big 12, averaging 304 passing yards surrendered per game. If they want any chance at winning this one, they're going to have to keep Oklahoma State off the field, dominate the trenches, dominate the ground game, and control this one wire to wire. So, why do you have to keep Spencer Sanders off the field? Well, we talked about why your pass defense is so bad, but also because Spencer Sanders had 350 yards and three touchdowns against you last year. He absolutely blew up against Kansas State last year. Granted, it was at home. This one will be on the road. But he is special, one of the most prolific quarterbacks in college football. Top 15 in passing yards. He's over 2,000 yards now. But although there is trouble in paradise with Spencer Sanders, he's only completing 50% of his passes against ranked teams this season. So is the consistency that's needed to go into a place like Kansas State and win, is that going to be there? You look at Oklahoma State's offense as a whole, they're averaging 40-plus points or 44 points a game, but they've scored 40-plus points in six of their seven games this year, and the one they didn't, they scored 36 This is an offense that can get it done, and this is an offense that is going to have to dominate the pace of play and the style of play if they want to win this one. Now, offense is all good, but when you look at the Cowboy defense, it's this bend-don't-break style, except they've been breaking a lot more than they've been bending. This is a team that's going to need to get stops on third down, which they haven't been able to do much all year. But also, this is a big play defense. This is the defense, like I talked about with Penn State, that can change the flow of a game, that can change the momentum of a game with interceptions, scoop and scores. And you're seeing that a lot with guys like Jason Taylor and Kendall Daniels, who have combined for five interceptions on the season. All right, let's move on to our next big game of the week. 
threatened to run the ball a little bit. Hooker going deep. Man's there. Got it. Jalen Hyatt, touchdown. All right, moving on to our final feature game that I want to dive deep into here. That's going to be number 19, Kentucky, at number 3, Tennessee. Tennessee entering this one is 12.5-point favorites. Big spread there. And the over-under sitting at 61 solid. This will be a 7.30 game over on CBS as well. Now, this one, I mean, if you want to talk about fireworks, saving the best for last, whatever you want to say, this one is going to produce some fireworks. Last year's matchup between these guys produced 87 points and over 1,000 yards of total offense. And while Kentucky has lost the last 30 or 34 of the last 37 of these meetings, Mark Stoop has two of those three wins in just the past five years. And I think in a game where Tennessee has everything to lose, this is a game where Kentucky could shock a lot of people. I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy. You're turning off the podcast. But I truly believe that Tennessee is going to be on upset alert in this one. And I want to look first at the coaching battle because these are two guys that have successfully undergone massive rebuilding projects. I mean, you look at Bob Stoops here, or Mark Stoops, not Bob Stoops. Uh, Bob Stoops or Mark Stoops built Kentucky from the ground up with two 10-win seasons in just four years. And then you look at Josh Heupel, guy who defeated Alabama for the for the first time in 15 years and soared to third in the AP poll ranking. This is Tennessee's best season in probably 20 years. So, I mean, these two guys, it's going to be fun to watch them go at it because these two guys who have seen it all with their teams, they've built them from the ground up. And I want to talk first about Kentucky. So, Will Levis should be healthy going into this one. He had the bye week last week, and he's been dealing with that toe injury since the game against Ole Miss back on October 1st. And you look at, he has a history of playing well against this Tennessee's defense. As you said, we mentioned last year where they scored 42 points. There is a path to a shootout in this one if Will Levis can play well. I don't think it's going to be Kentucky's game plan at all, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But if you look at Tennessee's defense, out of 131 FBS teams, they rank 130th in passing defense. They allow 330 pass yards per game. So while I don't think Kentucky is going to go this route, there is a possibility that we see another 90 to 100 point shootout between these two teams. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. But with that being said, Kentucky has all the right tools to slow down the Tennessee machine and just grind them down. They've got over 100 rush yards per game, and they hold the ball for over 35 minutes per game on average. And I think that's going to be their game plan in this one, keeping Hendon Hooker and Tennessee off the field, running the ball down their throats, although Kentucky is only averaging just over three yards per carry on offense this year, so that's something to look out for. They're going to need to run the ball effectively if they want any chance in this one. That's kind of a a common denominator between all these underdogs, but... That's the goal, to keep Tennessee's offense off the field. And even when Tennessee's offense is on the field, don't count out the Kentucky defense. This is a defense that's allowed over 200 passing yards just twice this season. That was against Mississippi State and Ole Miss. So this is a defense that, like I said, we talked about Oklahoma State, that bend-don't-break style that could give Tennessee a lot of trouble. Do I expect it to? Maybe not so much. But again... If Kentucky shocks a lot of people in this game, and this game ends up in the 20s, 30s, I'm telling you not to be surprised. With that being said, I'm also telling you not to be surprised if it goes into the 50s and 60s because of the guy we're going to talk about next, and that's Hendon Hooker in the Tennessee offense. But the first thing I want to touch on when talking about Tennessee is the possibility that this is a trap game, a bit of a letdown game. 
because you're traveling to Athens to play the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs next week. This is a game, a classic look-ahead game to me. This is a game that Tennessee forgets to show up because they say, oh, well, we're playing Georgia next week. Biggest game of the year, possibly the game of the century. So this is a game where, again, they might get punched in the mouth early on because of that. Now, we're going to dive into this prolific offense and honestly, I could just talk about four hours. Right now, they're currently sitting second in offensive efficiency behind, guess who? Ohio State. But the guy I wanted to highlight because everyone's talking about the Ohio State wide receivers is Jalen Hyatt. 40 catches, 770 yards, 12 touchdowns. Those numbers speak for themselves. And when you're in that Bolitnikoff Award conversation, you're hearing the same names over and over again. It's Marvin Harrison. It's Emeka Egbuka. But this is the guy that nobody is talking about. And he is a dark horse to win that award for sure. And I think Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt are going to have a big week this week because Kentucky lacks a very convincing pass rush. So, I mean... Tennessee should be able to exploit that all game long. Uh, Kentucky's inability to get to the passer has been a problem for them all year. And while, like I said earlier, they can control games and keep your offense off the field, when you're playing a team like Tennessee, that just doesn't matter because this is a team that can strike like lightning. One play, two plays, they'll find a way to score. So like I said, even if Kentucky is able to slow them down, that still might not be enough. And that's one of the more intriguing parts of this game. How will Tennessee react to really playing the first good defense they've played in a while because Alabama laid a complete egg against them. And it's going to be interesting to see also because, like I said, they've got Georgia right around the corner. How are they going to play against Georgia's ridiculous defense, who is by far the best in the country? So that's what I got on this game. Such an exciting matchup to look at. Now let's head on to our game picks for the rest of the week. All right, it is my favorite time of the week, and that's time for our weekly game picks. If you don't know how this works, we pick games with the spread, we take a look at the over-under, we pick that as well sometimes, and we're going to start first with our game of the week, that's Ohio State at Penn State. And I know I just spent the last couple minutes talking about how good Ohio State is, but I like Penn State plus 15 and a half. I just can't, everything against me, or everything in me is telling me to pick Ohio State in this one. I mean, how can you bet against Penn State? plus 15 and a half at home in front of their home crowd. I think that you'll see Nick Singleton and Katron Allen run the ball pretty well. I think you'll see him out physical Ohio State a little bit. It's kind of the Michigan formula that you saw when Michigan beat them last year. If you can out physical Ohio State, they're in trouble. So I think Penn State runs the ball well. They control the game. This game goes under 61. That's another good bet that I like this week. I still think Penn State loses, but I don't think... Ohio State is going to beat them by beat them by three or more scores. Now, moving on, we've got Florida versus Georgia at a neutral site. And by the way, can we stop with the neutral site games? This game should be on campus in a rivalry this heated. They talked about this on Fox earlier, and I couldn't help but bring it up myself. Imagine how much more heated this rivalry would be on campus. Anyways, I like Florida plus 22.5, and I like over 56.5. Now, I know what you're thinking. How is Florida going to keep up with Georgia in this one with Anthony Richardson, who's now I'm not high on at all, and he's a guy who now has more interceptions than passing touchdowns this year. So why am I so high on Florida? Well, once again, just like Penn State, they're a team that can run the ball, do it well, keep their offense on the field for an extended period of time, control the ball 55% of the time, 
and ultimately give themselves at least a fighting chance in this one. Do I think they sniff winning this game? Absolutely not. Georgia's on another level right now. You've seen it the past three weeks since their slip-up against Missouri. I think Georgia rolls, but I don't think they're covering 22.5. Give me Florida and the under. All right, next game. Oklahoma State, Kansas State. I love Oklahoma State plus 2.5 in this one. Might be my pick of the week. You know, you look at Kansas State, and they're, they're, they're just a team that's been decimated by injuries. You look at the quarterback position, they're hurt there. You look in the offensive line, they're hurt there. This is a shoddy all-around team, and I think they're going to give Oklahoma State a good fight, but ultimately, they do not belong being favored in this game. I know they're at home, and that's where they're getting those 2.5 points from. I don't see it. And I like the over 56 in this one as well. I think Spencer Sanders has another huge game. I like Oklahoma State. Let's do it. Next one. Eight, number eight, Oregon at Cal. And this is another line that's really intriguing to me. Oregon 17-point favorites. Are we that high on Oregon after one good performance against UCLA? And especially what we saw from Cal last week and the week before with just dragging teams into defensive struggles. Are we sure Oregon's covering 17 points? I'm not convinced. I am so 50-50 in this line. I am going to go with Cal, plus 17. And I'm also going to take the under 58 because I think this is one of those games where if you're taking Cal, you take the under because it's going to be a defensive game. If you're taking Oregon, you take the over because it's going to be an offensive game. I don't know how much they can slow down Bo Nix in this Oregon's off, Oregon offense, but I do think it's enough to cover 17 points, especially Oregon, Oregon coming off the emotional high against UCLA. Now they're coming on the road to Berkeley, which, by the way, they've lost recently. They have lost here two years ago the last time they played here, so... Something to keep in mind. All right, next one. Number 19, Kentucky at number three, Tennessee. I talked about how big this line was earlier. I was kind of hinting at what I was going to pick. Kentucky plus 12.5 is the way to go in this one to me. Like I said, I think Will Levis plays well. I think Kentucky runs the ball well for really the first time all year. I think Tennessee still ends up getting the win. Two scores is a bit of a stretch for me. Give me Kentucky, and I like over 61 in this one as well. I think these two teams can score points. They can do it fast. Give me Kentucky in the over. All right. Number 15, Ole Miss at Texas A&M. And this is one of those games just like the K-State game where really you look at Texas A&M as two-point two favorites. That is simply only because they are the home team in this one. I like Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss coming off a loss. Give me the Rebels or minus two. And I like the under 54.5. I think this is going to be a hard-fought physical game at College Station. Ole Miss and the under is my pick for this one. Now, final game of the week we're talking about Michigan State at Michigan. The Wolverines, 21.5-point favorites. The over-under sitting at 55. And I love Michigan in this one. I mean, I know a lot of people talk about really rivalry games, throw the records out the window. <laughs> But to me, you can't pass up on Michigan against this one. And I, I know the counter-argument to this one is they're really a team that doesn't like blowing a lot of people out. I mean, they'll control you. They won't turn the ball over. But I think they put it on Michigan State this week, especially after losing their past two matchups against the Spartans. That is something that is on their minds. Give me Michigan minus 21 and a half, and I like the under of 55. So those are my game picks for this week. Let's move on to our fan takes. We've got three of them. Let's do it. Three fan takes this week. We're going to jump right into them. The first one is that two Big Ten and two SEC teams make the playoff. Perfectly feasible. This is something that 
I could go on talking about for hours, but I mean, it's kind of all dependent on what TCU does and what Clemson does, because I think, you know, TCU lose the game, they're out. Clemson lose the game, they're definitely out. Even even if Clemson goes undefeated, they might get denied. I know the, a lot of people aren't high on Clemson. They haven't had many convincing performances this year, and I think the game against Syracuse is also an indication of that. But when you look at teams like Michigan— if they go undefeated the rest of the way, lose the nail-biter to Ohio State, you could make a playoff case for them over a team like a TCU or a Clemson. Same thing goes for the SEC side of things. A team like Tennessee, who goes all the way, goes unbeaten, loses the nail-biter to Alabama in the SEC championship game, or Georgia. Or Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game. I'm getting my divisions mixed up. But once again, very feasible. Next one, Notre Dame beats Syracuse and wins eight games. Now... I'm not going to rule it out completely. I think Notre Dame does have a pretty good chance of beating Syracuse this week. But eight games is tough, especially when you look at the upcoming schedule that they have. So, right now, they're playing Syracuse this week at Syracuse. Once again, tough game. The very next week, home against Clemson. Very tough game. Then they're at Navy, should be a win. Home against Boston College, should be a win. And then you go to number 10, USC. So, I mean, this is a Notre Dame team that's going to fight for bowl eligibility. And while I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for them to win eight or nine games, they're going to have their work cut out for them in the near future trying to win those games. So, final fan take, and this is by far the most popular one. Last week, we said that the Pac-12 was completely done in the playoff race following... Oregon's win over UCLA. And while obviously they're not completely done, this is something that would take a minor miracle to happen. I mean, if, a, if we have a one-loss Pac-12 champion here, how do you make an argument for them to get in over an undefeated TCU, an undefeated Clemson, both teams that have conference championships? I even think just knowing the committee and what we've seen for them and with the bias they've had over the past five, six years— They would take a one-loss Alabama or a one-loss Tennessee or a one-loss Georgia or a one-loss Michigan or Ohio State over a one-loss Pac-12 champion. I mean, I hate saying it, but that's just the way it is. So while, like I said, the Pac-12 isn't completely out of the race, I really don't see a way they can make the playoffs. There's too much competition in their way. They wouldn't be an undefeated champ. So, all right, folks, that's all the time we had for this week on the Student Section Podcast, where we talk all things college sports. Once again, you can reach us at thestudentsection.net online or on Instagram at studentsectioncfb. That's thestudentsection.net and at studentsectioncfb. We've got a new episode coming every Friday. Make sure to join us, and thanks for your time this week. See you next week, folks. Enjoy the weekend.